Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected the stories that are most entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into indigenous American traditions. Our versions may not be the myth you're familiar with, but we hope you enjoy them. And be warned, today's episode contains depictions of graphic violence. Please exercise caution for listeners under 13. The Native American Crow tribe of present-day Montana were well-known for their horses. Unlike many other Great Plains tribes who used horses primarily for hauling, Crow people grew up riding. Having an entire tribe of riders enabled them to travel quickly and hunt efficiently. Because horses were integral to their cultural identity, Crow people excelled at breeding horses. Many animals were kept for the tribe's use, and some were sold or traded, but sometimes they were stolen by covetous neighbors. One such theft kicks off our story today. Five crow horses have gone missing, and Chief Menikus is intent on getting to the bottom of it. He's enlisted the help of his son, Toss Stone, to track down the thieves. They suspect the neighboring Blackfeet are to blame, but are unprepared for the trouble that awaits them in enemy territory. Toss Stone, what did I tell you? Walk in the river, not the mud. You're leaving tracks for our enemies to find. They already know where we live. They stole five of our horses, remember? Yes, but they don't know we've caught on yet. If it's okay with you, I'd like to keep it that way. Toss Stone joined his father in the water. As much as the boy hated to admit it, he still had a lot to learn. They walked on in silence, their path lit only by the moon. After an hour, many coups halted, gaze fixed on a cluster of teepees on the horizon. Get down! Wh what? Why? Look, that's the Blackfeet camp. And to the left, those are our horses. What are we waiting for? Let's go get them! No, tonight we watch. We'll see how many men they have, and tomorrow we'll return with twice the number. Come on! We can at least sneak two horses out of here! Then we won't have to walk all the way back. Whoa! As he was adjusting his stance, Toss Stone slipped on a particularly smooth river rock. The current carried his feet from beneath him, and he fell with a loud splash. He quickly righted himself and froze in place. Both he and his father listened for any signs their enemies had heard them. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. Shh! The chief turned to send a warning glance at his son. And in that all too brief moment, arrows started to fly. Run! They found us! Arrow after arrow flew past. Before many coups or tall stone could get far, a shaft struck the chief in the back. Dad! Toss Stone frantically tried to help his father. He dragged him to shore, the mud staining red beneath them. Dad! Dad! Please don't die! But it was no use. The arrow had pierced the heart of Chief Menikus. Toss Stone hoisted his father onto his back and ran as fast as he could, the whistle of arrows close behind. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. 
Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today, we'll hear a version of the Crow Tribe's creation myth. It's a story passed down through oral history, changing slightly with each new telling. But all versions agree that it was a trickster named Old Man Coyote who created the world. This includes not only the land and its creatures, but also how they behave and what practices they value, including music, dance, love, weapons, and war. Coming up, a heartbroken son is reminded of how his people began. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers and industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. The coyote is one of the most ubiquitous characters across Native American folklore. Tales vary between tribes, but some characteristics are consistent. The coyote is always anthropomorphized, male, and most often portrayed as a trickster. A common archetype in mythology worldwide, the trickster is something of a walking contradiction. At once a genius and a fool, a hero and a villain. And in Crow tribe lore, the coyote is the rare trickster who also functions as an omniscient creator. Today we'll hear the tale of Old Man Coyote through Red Dog, a Crow tribe elder and the mother of Toss Stone. Red Dog will explain how war came to be and how the tribe honors their ancestors by going into battle. Toss Stone staggered back to Crow territory, his face glistening with tears. He had narrowly escaped the pursuing Blackfeet, but had to drop his father's body in the process. Although he was no longer carrying anything, his heart was heavy with grief and guilt. After what felt like an eternity, he reached his family's teepee and threw open the heavy flap. His mother, Red Dog, jumped in surprise. 
Toss stone. You scared me. What is wrong? Where's your father? They killed him. They shot dead. The Blackfeet? It was my fault. No, that can't be. It is. I fell in the river. They hurt us. And... Shh, it's okay. He was so heavy. I carried him as far as I could, but he was so heavy. He... Your father was a great warrior. He knew the risks. We will mourn him. Come, sit. Tall Stone wiped away a tear and sat in front of Red Dog. In keeping with traditional crow mourning, she took a blade to his long, silky hair. Good boy. Today is for grief. Tomorrow, you and I will lead the crow warriors into battle. What? No, I... I I can't. Your father's spirit won't rest until it's avenged. What's to stop the Blackfeet from coming here and taking the rest of our horses? From taking our land? Obviously, we would defend ourselves. Please, what if... What if we kill another boy's father? I can't wish this pain on someone else. I'm sorry, Tossstone. But this is how it has always been. Need I remind you how the world began? I don't think now is the time for stories. Everything is a story. You... Me, your father, you mustn't forget the story of how our people began. In the beginning, there was only water and the creator, Old Man Coyote. No one knows how this came to be, not even Old Man Coyote himself. He was a social creature, and on the first day, the first thing he did was to look for friends in the watery abyss. Hello. Hello. Who's there? Who's there? I asked you first. I asked you first. I guess I'm the only adult here. My name is Old Man Coyote. My name is Old Man Coyote. Old Man Coyote was perplexed. He looked all around, but he saw no one. It finally dawned on him that he was completely alone in this strange, wet place. (sighs) I'm going to get lonely all by myself. I wish I had some companions. By simply speaking the words, Old Man Coyote made two ducks appear out of thin air. They paddled in the water around Old Man Coyote's feet. Whoa! Hey there, little fellas. Nice to see some other faces around here. Say, you're pretty good swimmers. Will you dive down and see if there's anything here besides water? The ducks did as Coyote asked and dove beneath the surface. He watched until their shapes were swallowed by the deep abyss. Seconds passed, then minutes. Coyote grew anxious that he'd sent them on a deadly mission. Oh, thank goodness! I was so worried. I guess you're even better divers than you are swimmers. What are you holding there? Huh, this looks like a bit of mud. And this, this is a root. Fantastic. What can we do with these? Did you feel that? It was like moving air. Oh, I know. Let's try this. Old Man Coyote blew his breath upon the mud. 
to his amazement, it grew. The mud expanded into an enormous plain the size of the entire Earth. On instinct, he planted the root into the ground, and the newly established Earth burst into lush greenery. Bountiful crops sprouted and matured to perfect ripeness. Trees took root and soared toward the sky. Flowers bloomed and cascaded as far as the eye could see. I've done it! I've created paradise! This is everything we'll need. Plenty of food, shade, and even some decoration. Hmm, you have a point. Since we came from water, we'll probably need it to live. Let's bring some of it back. Call it a lake. Good, but the water needs a way to get around and nourish all of these plants. How about a fountain? At his word, a geyser erupted from the center of the lake, drenching creation. No, too much. Stop. But the water didn't stop. Old Man Coyote realized that he couldn't unmake things as easily as he made them. Okay, um, redirect. Instead of exploding, there should be channels in the land for all of the water to run through. We'll call them rivers. Now, how about waterfalls? For those, we'll need more interesting topography than these flat plains. Hills mountains, and valleys. That was how it all began. For days, Old Man Coyote and the ducks lived in harmony, but the conversation became too one-sided for Old Man Coyote's liking. He decided to make himself a suitable companion. Brother, I've only just made you, but I feel as though I've known you my whole life. What is your name? Call me Serape. Nice place. You did all this? I sure did. <laughs> What's there to do for fun? Um, I'm not sure what you mean. I don't think I've created that yet. I've got an idea. Come on. Coyote followed Serape to the top of a nearby hill. Try this. Serape curled himself into a ball and rolled down the hill, laughing with delight. Old Man Coyote hesitated a moment, then copied his brother. The faster he went, the more trepidatious he became, until all at once his nerves gave way to joy. <laughs> that was thrilling! What did you call that? Fun? Yeah. We should tell everyone else how to have fun. We're all here. You, me, and the ducks. That's it? In the whole world? Yes. Maybe you're easily amused, but I could use some more stimulation. You should really think about filling up this space with creatures. Sure, uh, we could do that if you want. Could be fun. How about some buffalo? That's a start. Um, deer? Horses? You're playing it safe. How about something a little more exciting, like bears? Hmm. Okay, sure. Uh, bears could be good. Ooh, it's scary. Their teeth are so sharp. You're not really scared, are you? Uh, no, no, of course not. Now, Coyote, you're the master creator. But I was just thinking, 
If you wanted to get really creative, you could make humans. Uh, humans? Serape stooped down and picked up a pawful of mud. He shaped it into the form of a human to show Coyote. You know, like this. They're weaker and slower than the other animals, but they could bring a lot of fun. Old Man Coyote paused. He didn't know why, but he felt ill at ease about creating human beings. However, his brother's approval meant more to him than anything. Okay, uh, let's make humans. The animals are running away. Why would they fear the humans? <laughs> Looks like things are going to get interesting around here. Coming up, Old Man Coyote's creations grow restless. Hi, I'm Christine Schiefer. And I'm M. Schultz. We're the hosts of Rituals, the new Spotify original from Parcast. If you've heard our podcast, And That's Why We Drink, you know we are no strangers to true crime and the paranormal. We're also into the occult uh, to chat about. Not to join, but, you know, to, to learn and educate. <laughs> Every Monday on Rituals, we're journeying through mystifying stories of sorcery, alchemy, Satanism, and more, and trying to determine if the dark arts of the past impact us today. Like weather witches? Who were they? Or the Fountain of Youth? Address, please. <laughs> Don't forget about werewolf trials, Em. Objection, Christine. Let's not give too much away. And instead, let's tell everyone to follow our new podcast, Rituals, free and only on Spotify. Now back to the story. Old Man Coyote was the first being to exist. And at his call, the world took shape. His vision of the world was a paradise. Even though the animals kept their distance from the newly created humans, Am I boring you? Red Dog paused her story. Her son, Toss Stone, was lost in thought, staring at the canvas lining the teepee's walls. The colorful threads told the story of his father's many acts of valor in times of war. What? No, I just... Can story time wait? I'm upset about Dad dying. I'm not in the mood to listen to some made-up myth. I'm trying to educate you about what it means to be a member of the human race. And more importantly, the Crow people. What does any of this have to do with our tribe? Or avenging Dad's death? All throughout your childhood, I told you the children's version of Old Man Coyote. But you knew there was more to the story, and you begged for me to tell it to you. Do you remember what I said? I'll tell you when you're older. That's right. I knew there would come a day when you would need to hear the entire story of our creation. All of its ugly parts. Today is that day. So please, just listen to the rest. Fine. Wonderful. Animals, humans, and nature were living in perfect harmony. That is, until a troublemaker started stirring up discontent. Good morning, brother. Our rooster friend says that another day has dawned. Brother? Where are you? I can't even see my paws in here. Old Man Coyote felt all around the dark cave for Serape, but his brother was nowhere to be found. Come out, come out, wherever you are. 
Is this another game, Serape? If so, I'll have no trouble finding you. Old Man Coyote emerged from the den and into the weak morning light. As he stretched, he spotted Serape in the forest below. It appeared to Coyote that his brother was having a clandestine meeting with Bear. That's odd. In her short time on Earth, Bear had already earned a reputation as a rabble-rouser. Not long ago, she'd complained to Old Man Coyote in front of the other woodland creatures about being bored. Always the problem-solver, Old Man Coyote made a special creature to entertain Bear. He asked for one of Bear's claws to form its beak. Then he took caterpillar hair to make its feet and leaves to make its tail. He called this new animal a prairie chicken. It was the ugliest creature on earth, but Old Man Coyote gave it the gift of dance. It rhythmically flapped its wings, shook its tail, and bobbed its head for Bear's amusement. The prairie chicken's silly dance quelled Bear's boredom, but based on the upset look on Bear's face, Coyote had a feeling more trouble was brewing. He headed down the mountain and into the trees, careful not to be seen. Then he hid in a bush and eavesdropped on Serape and Bear's conversation. You gave old man Coyote one of your claws, and all he gave you was this pathetic bird? Do you think I should have asked for more? Of course. You deserve whatever you want. You're the biggest, strongest animal in the world. That makes you more important than everyone else. Huh, I never thought about it like that. Well, it's time you start thinking like that, friend. The whole world could be yours. All you have to do is take it. Old Man Coyote listened in shock. He couldn't understand why his own brother would encourage Bear to overpower him. For the rest of the day, Old Man Coyote avoided all the other animals. He was concerned that Serape had poisoned everyone against him. There was no telling what he'd said to make them angry. Without a plan of action, Old Man Coyote knew there was a chance he'd be torn apart by his own creations. For the first time in his life, he felt fear. By the next day, Old Man Coyote had come to a few realizations. First, he could no longer trust Serape. Second, Old Man Coyote realized he had to keep the animals in line. He would make a show of force by confronting Bear in front of everyone. Then they'd see who the boss was. Excuse me, Bear? I'd like a word. Coyote, I've been looking everywhere for you. Everyone, everyone gather around. All the creatures heard Old Man Coyote's call and emerged to see what this was all about. Good idea. Everyone needs to hear what I have to say. I'm not here to discuss what you have to- We all should be clear on the natural order of things around here. Will you be quiet and- Tell me, Old Man Coyote, why is it that the prairie chicken should be able to dance and not me? Coyote had been prepared for a fight, so he was pleasantly surprised by Bear's request. He felt his defenses drop and laughed in relief. <laughs> Is that all you want? Of course you should be able to dance. In fact, everyone can now dance. And while we're at it, you'll need some music. All the animals laughed and danced about, enamored with their new gift of movement to music. How wonderful, Coyote thought, that he was able to demonstrate his power in a constructive way. 
A moment later, Serape arrived and approached Old Man Coyote. What's all this? Music and dance. Isn't it glorious? Looks like everyone's having fun. Good thing I showed you how to make it, huh? Yeah, you're full of good ideas. Serape turned away. Coyote watched as he approached Bear, whispered in her ear, and slunk into the woods. A moment later, Bear yelled. Hey, stop, stop! Coyote, I said I wanted to be able to dance. Me, not everybody. What's the problem? Everyone was enjoying dancing. What does it hurt to share? I'm the biggest and therefore the most important. You have to do what I say. You'd better be careful how you talk to your creator, Bear. You'd better be careful how you talk to me, Coyote. I'm in charge here. Is that so? If you're in charge, prove it. Disobey me. <clears throat> Go into your den and sleep. Sleep through the entire winter. Without a word, Bear obeyed Coyote's order and skulked back to her den. The other animals watched in awe as she disappeared into the woods. Coyote felt a rush of satisfaction at his power, confident it would never be questioned again. Days went by, and Old Man Coyote didn't hear any rumblings of discontent. He thought he'd nipped the problem in the bud. Obviously, Serape and Bear had just needed a reminder of who the all-powerful creator was. Coyote thought harmony had been restored until Serape asked him to go for a walk along the bluffs. Serape told Coyote he had something important to discuss. What is it? The humans. They're unhappy. Oh? Yes. They want fire to cook and to keep warm. None of the other species have fire. They're doing just fine. That's what I told them. I said, none of the other animals get special favors. Why should humans? But they were insistent. They pointed out how much weaker they are than other animals. I had to admit, they had a point. They're so soft and slow. Even their teeth are dull. And have you seen their claws? Pathetic. Old Man Coyote was suspicious of Serape's intentions, but he couldn't imagine a downside to making life a little easier for the humans. You're right. Humans are inferior to the other animals. I don't suppose there's any harm in helping them out. There. I've created lightning. That will make fire for them. But now it's raining. They're going to need shelter. I know. They can make teepees to live in out of buffalo hides. You didn't think that through. To get buffalo hides, humans would have to kill the buffalo. It does sound barbaric. But like you said, humans are inferior. They probably need to eat bigger, stronger animals just to survive. So they could eat the buffalo's meat, as well as build shelter from their skin. Nothing would go to waste. You're making a pretty strong case for getting rid of the humans. What? No, you can't. Relax, brother. I can't unmake what I've made. The humans will remain, but they're not getting any more favors. I hear you. I do. Just consider how hunting could be a good thing. If our herds grow too large, many animals will starve to death. But if humans hunt, they'll prevent our herds from growing too large. Coyote fell silent. He hadn't considered this possibility, and he was reluctant to agree with Serape, but he couldn't deny the truth in his argument. I suppose that is true. 
And a swift death would be better than suffering. Hmm. Exactly. So the humans will need weapons. Bows, arrows, spears. For hunting. For hunting. In the valley below, Coyote and Serape spotted a gathering of humans. At Coyote's command, a windfall of weapons appeared at their feet. The people circled the stockpile, trying to make sense of the tools. Some touched the sharp edges of the weapons and drew back their bleeding hands in shock. Not the brightest, are they? Wait, what will stop the human population from getting out of control? War, of course. What do you mean? Now that they have weapons, humans will also kill each other. Not for food, but for honor. <laughs> and all that power will go to their heads. They'll keep developing deadlier weapons in a quest to dominate the world and everything in it. It's their nature. You must have known that when you created them. You told me to create them. I merely suggested it. You've been pulling my strings all along. You're the almighty creator, brother. Nobody controls you. I was clear. I only wanted peace and harmony. Then you came along. Coyote attacked, pouncing on Serape's back and biting his neck. Serape yelped and wheeled around, sinking his teeth deep into Coyote's shoulder. Coyote released his brother and stumbled free, his paws unsteady beneath him. Serape seized the chance to force Coyote to the edge of the cliffs. I may have invented the world, Serape, but you invented betrayal. Coyote's back legs slid off the edge of the cliff. He desperately grasped at the ground with his arms, barely managing to hold on. Serape grabbed his paws. Finally, you recognize my brilliance. Please, Serape, help me up. But Serape made no move to assist Coyote. Coyote's eyes widened in horror as he realized Serape's intentions. He tried to plead with his brother to appeal to his sense of loyalty, but no words would come. Coyote was speechless. You've done good work, brother, but I'll take it from here. With that, Serape callously released Coyote's paws. Serape watched as Coyote plummeted down the cliff toward the jagged rocks below. At the same time, Coyote gazed up at his brother getting further away by the second and wondered where he went wrong. Coming up, Serape's betrayal echoes through Crow history. Now back to the story. Old Man Coyote created the world, but it was his brother Serape who introduced deception. By manipulating Coyote into creating humans and equipping us with weapons, he shattered the harmony his brother created. The fall of Old Man Coyote further ensured the perpetuation of war, destruction, and unrest. Red Dog reached out to touch her son's face. She wanted to look into his eyes to make sure her lesson was resonating with him. So you see, Old Man Coyote was a genius, but he was also a fool. He wanted the world to be a peaceful utopia. He was so blinded by idealism that he couldn't see Serape's betrayal until it was too late. Did you spend all day telling me this story because you think I'm too idealistic? 
I know I'm young, but I see the world as it is. I told you this story because you need to understand how important it is to stand up for yourself. Your father was killed, Tossstone. That cannot go unanswered. I know. You must know who your enemies are and never show them weakness. I know. So, we're in agreement? Tossstone nodded solemnly. I'll help you assemble the warriors. Good. We'll depart for Blackfeet territory at nightfall. As planned, Red Dog and Toss Stone rallied as many Crow warriors as they could and led them toward Blackfeet territory the following evening. Every one of them understood the gravity of Chief Meniku's death and was happy to go into battle in his honor. The warriors rode horses with buckskin shields. They wore war bonnets and hide shirts decorated with porcupine quills, beads, and elk teeth. Each carried a club, a spear, a bow, and arrows. Toss Stone was contemplative throughout the journey. When he spotted Buffalo sleeping in a herd, he thought about his mother's tale of Old Man Coyote. He considered what a different life they would lead if humans had never existed. Indeed, what a different life all the animals would lead. Naturally, Toss Stone's thoughts drifted to his father. He wished more than anything he could talk to him one more time. There was still so much he wanted to ask, so much he wanted to learn from him. As these thoughts occurred to him, a familiar voice echoed in his mind. Toss Stone? Dad? How? How? Is, is that really you? Yes, son. I miss you, Dad. I'm so sorry. My death wasn't your fault. You did everything you could. Well, not everything. Not yet. We're going to battle the Blackfeet. We'll make them pay for what they did to you. That's what I came to talk to you about. Son, you need to stop this. What do you mean? This battle, they are expecting you. There will be too much bloodshed. But we need to stand up to our enemy and to defend your honor. I used to think that way, but I'm begging you, turn around. Lead our people home, live your lives in peace. Up ahead, Tossstone spotted a form on the ground beside the river. It was Chief Menikus. His body lay there, weather-worn and decomposing. Tossstone looked away, sickened. Heed my warning, son. You still have time. What if they don't listen to me? What if they call me a coward? Dad? Dad! Chief Menikus did not reply. Before Tossstone could untangle his thoughts, his mother called to the warriors. We're close. Menikus lies here. We will retrieve him on our return. The sun peaked over the horizon, golden light washing over the plains. Tossstone saw a familiar cluster of teepees in the distance. There they are. Are you feeling okay, Tossstone? You look pale. I... I don't think Dad wants us to do this. What? That's nonsense. Your father's spirit won't rest until we do. No. He spoke to me. On the way here, he told me they're expecting us. We're heading into slaughter. A look of concern crossed Red Dog's face. She reached out and felt Tossstone's forehead for any sign of fever. Your father is in the spirit realm now. You're sick and need to stay behind. Everyone else clear on your orders? Mom, no! 
please. On my command. Red Dog raised her arm in the air and swiftly brought it down. The Crow Warriors surged forward. From his vantage point by the river, Toss Stone watched in horror. Just as Chief Many Coups warned, the Blackfeet warriors emerged from their teepees with bows and arrows drawn. Within seconds, crow horses and warriors alike were struck by flying projectiles. The space between the warring tribes grew thick with arrows. Each side advanced, closing the distance. Then they made contact and became a sea of violent bodies. Tossstone desperately looked for his mother in the melee. As soon as he spotted her, an arrow struck her shoulder and knocked her from her horse. Without a thought, Tossstone galloped towards her. Mom! A Blackfeet warrior stood over the fallen red dog. He raised his club in the air, preparing to deliver a death blow. Tossstone urged his horse to run faster, harder. Just as the warrior was bringing down his club, the horse collided with him. Tossstone fell from the horse and landed in a heap beside his mother. A heavy weight landed on top of him, forcing the air from his lungs. It was the body of a crow warrior, an arrow through his neck. With effort, Tossstone pushed and shoved, trying to free himself from the rising pile of bodies. His arms burned with the effort, but finally he was free. The bodies of men and horses lay everywhere in the camp, but he saw no Blackfeet. It seemed that the violence was over. His mother stood before him, bloody but alive. One by one, Crow members emerged from around the camp, gathering to survey the damage. Red Dog handed Toss Stone a spear. Don't let your guard down. The Blackfeet may be regrouping. Red Dog and Toss Stone cautiously stepped around the fallen warriors, weapons at the ready, looking for signs of life. The ground beneath them ran red. The hardened summer soil rejecting the warriors spilled blood. Too much death. Toss Stone swayed, lightheaded. Red Dog caught him with her uninjured arm, slowing his collapse to the ground. It had to be done. Why? For what? For horses? An honor? Peace is possible. And like old man Coyote, I'm going to dedicate my life to creating it. Like any creation myth, the Crow People's Old Man Coyote has many renditions, which makes creating a definitive version impractical. Today's retelling took significant creative liberties for dramatic effect. For instance, Coyote is not always so innocent when it comes to creating war. In many versions, he's a willing collaborator with Serape, never objecting to the violence to come. One interpretation of Old Man Coyote says that his first order of business was to create the Crow tribe. He breathed on mud and brought Crow people into existence, declaring, This is Crow people. I have made them to be small in number, but they will never be overcome by any outside force. Indeed, they haven't. 
despite European settlers' colonial subjugation of native peoples, the Crow tribe has persevered. Today, they have a population of approximately 11,000 members, 7,900 of whom reside in the largest reservation in Montana, covering 2.2 million acres. Cultural preservation has clearly been a priority for the tribe, as 85% of their members speak Crow as their first language. We tried to honor the Crow spirit of perseverance in today's tale. Though their visions differed, Red Dog and Toss Stone were both invested in the good of the tribe. Each stood for what they believed was the best way forward. Red Dog's greatest perceived threat was another tribe. Therefore, her solution was war. But Toss Stone was more fearful of engaging in a cycle of vengeance and death. There's never one true way forward when your people are on the brink of extinction, but perhaps it's in times of violence and uncertainty that our myths are most important. Perhaps all we need are people like Old Man Coyote who believe in building a better world. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back next week with another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Kenny Hobbs, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Mythology was written by Janelle Malik, with writing assistance by Robert Teamstra, fact-checking by Haley Milliken, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Marcy Edwards, Brian Green, Melissa Medina, and Charlie Wess. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Werewolves, witches, and Arthur Conan Doyle? Oh my! Sounds like fascinating topics to discuss on our new show, Rituals, Christine. You know what, Em? It sure does. Every Monday on Rituals, join us as we explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. If you've heard our podcast and that's why we drink, this is the perfect pairing for you. And if you haven't, go give us a try. Follow our Spotify original from Parcast, Rituals. Listen free only on Spotify. Spotify.